Welcome to Native Calgarian. Today is January 4th, 19, or 19. Holy, I just dated myself, not the date. January 4th, 2019. Uh, welcome to Native Calgarian. Uh, Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed Canadian-U.S. border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, the Wesley Chiniki and Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutuna. We acknowledge, or I acknowledge, I should say, all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Islands as the keepers of these lands. Oki, I'm Mekochis Chestakom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name was given to me in ceremony and my deepest apologies to the Blackfoot elders language and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I was really grateful uh, to have Clarence Wolflake help me with that. So I honor the Blackfoot. I honor the lands that I'm on. And my name is Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English name, which has afforded me great privilege in a colonial world. My mother is uh, Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I'm the daughter of the Mayflower and the daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area called Clincho Tine Indahe, which means Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as as a guest, which I am. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage lots of questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for the non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to the previous donors for showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you to those that cannot afford to give, but listen in. I just would love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. We are now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and nativecalgarian.com is also up. So... It's January 4th. I guess I'm still a little sick, but we did a show called The Show Must Go On for obvious reasons. I think it's incredibly important. And, you know, I talk a lot about uh, safety issues. I want to talk about, you know, some city council stuff here in Calgary. I want to talk about Alberta politics, give an update on uh, Save Prince of Peace and uh, Canadian politics and, of course, Indigenous politics and lots of U.S. politics today, I think, because I'm just excited. So the most exciting thing, um, I think, that has happened in the U.S. right now is that we have um, Alexandra Cortez, and she's uh, from the Bronx, apparently, and 
went to uh, university and did a cute little breakfast club dance, which the Rep- <laughs> Republicans thought, oh, oh, and for uh, Canadians, Republicans are like the conservatives of the states. Um so they thought, oh, this is the best footage ever. This is going to ruin her career. And they they posted it and shared it. And the rest of us seen it and thought, oh, my God, she's even more adorable than we thought. And I stalked Molly Ringwald. And right away, she said, yep, totally part of the club and tagged the rest of the bre- breakfast club. And yeah, so that's that's totally a thing. It's a sad reflection of the GOP or uh, the Republican Party for thinking for a second that they could actually, you know, um, ruin her career. But my favorite part on Twitter was this. So I'm on Twitter and they, someone made a Twitter account and their whole Twitter account is to make gifts of her dancing, but in tune to whatever song you like. So like there's one of her Gangnam Style and Dancing Queen from ABBA, like every song you can think of, he, this person's doing it. So whoever, public service salute, to whoever you are for absolutely making U.S. politics a little better because now that she's going to be a total gift, like there will be nothing in the world that she does that we won't be using that gift for because she's fantastic and adorable and um, it made me really proud to see that there's finally somewhere, somewhere an underrepresented group can get elected. Um, you know, it wasn't for me uh, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, uh in politics, you have to have like a, you know, three term strategy in order to run anyway, because you never get it on the first time. Even then she ran. Um, he only got fourth the first time he ran. So, you know, um, obviously I'm not, you know, dead in the water. I'm not, you know, I took one shot and I'm done. No way. Uh, just a bigger picture of just trying to say, you know, it, it, I'm just glad she got in and something that just made me tear up and cry like a baby. But whenever I do that, I always share it by saying, I'm not crying, you're crying. Because obviously I'm bawling my eyes off when I when I say that. Um, but there was these cute videos of uh, the two Indigenous women who did get elected and, you know, did their swearing in ceremony and then they were done. And, it, you know, that was just absolutely my highlight on Twitter. I'm so excited about uh, the possibilities for the next uh, two years here in the States. Maybe, just maybe, some positive things can come from that because, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure you all know. Trump is trying to build a wall and he's spending a ridiculous amount of money to try to do it, despite the fact they have how many other borders around the country that's not well protected and the money that they're going to spend on this. You know, it, it's kind of weird to me. I don't understand how people are all behind this. I mean, we all grew up in the era where bringing down the Berlin Wall was a big deal. So it's hard for me to really understand that. And there's a movie that my husband uh, showed me. It's called The Last Nazi. And... um you know, it's this old grandma who's like, hey, here are my pictures from, you know, Auschwitz. And I, uh, he was a nurse. And yeah, this doctor was a total, you know, and, and, and they're trying to get her to, you know, understand the gravity of it. But she's actually, to this day, still mad that the Germans didn't win the war. And um, I, I was like, I seen that. And it reminded me of Derek Vildebrandt. Hi, Derek. I know you don't listen to the show. So let me give you a shout out. So my history with Derek Vildebrandt is this. Um, I have no history with the guy. In fact, I've just followed politics and watched his ridiculousness and um, sad and pathetic, I think, actually, some of the stuff that's come from his camp. Um, 
now he's because, uh, you know, the UCP didn't want to get rid of Leela. He's like, I'm going to go start my own party. So now he's he has the free dumb party. Yeah, I'm going to emphasize dumb every time I say free dumb party because I just think it's ridiculous that, you know, the whole purpose of having the UCP was that the that the progressive conservatives and the wild rose were not together and now you're going to go and start your own party because the UCP don't want you in it. I mean, I do not understand this party um, conservative belief system at all. Anyway, um, one of my favorite books was uh, by by Marcy McDonald, and it was called The Rise of Armageddon. It actually documents the um, evangelical influence within our pol- our politics that happened, you know, leading up to creating this like Harper era and getting to the point that we're at now. And for those who are old enough to remember, like me, you know, we used to have conservatives like uh, Peter Lougheed and Ben Mulroney who said progressive things. I mean, they didn't do that in their policies, but at least they tried to. And, um, you know, we don't, we just don't see anything like that anymore. And now we see this, I, I would argue, bozo show of what conservatives are today. Um, something that came on Twitter was, there's a fellow, he actually misspelled coup d'etat because he's not French, right? He's English. So he, he sounded out what he thought coup d'etat said, and he actually put it out there. And people couldn't believe this came out of Alberta. And it's like, yep. And that same guy, George Clark actually lives in my writing. And I just can't even, I don't, I don't even know how to dumb it down for people to not understand me, but understand that. I just don't even understand it. So anyway, he put out some fake news about, um, you know, trains and, uh, they're trying to pump him up to be some kind of, uh, journalist on the news. And I just, I can't, (laughs) <laughs> you can't even make this stuff up. So there was no real news. And of course, actual journal journalists looked into it and there was nothing there. And um, this is what the Conservative Party is tweeting and making their own little world in order to try to pretend there's um, an issue that's not actually there. And I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how there's so many intelligent people that actually vote these f- types of folks in. Um, Derek Vildebrandt, let's get back to that. So I've been trying to work with his office and with Leela's office and to give Derek a little bit of credit. The moment I talked to his office, his assistant immediately started helping me behind the scenes with trying to see what could be done about the school. But unfortunately, every single meeting that Derek said that he would have with me, he's totally blown. So I have yet to meet the fellow, but I'm, I don't know if he's stalking my Twitter or what, but it just seems like whatever I post, he shortly posts after some kind of rebuttal, but not, you know, quoting me or anything. So I'll give you an example. Um, the French radio station out east um, did an awful racist uh, Indio uh, Canadian type rendition of Justin Trudeau. They were trying to make fun of Justin Trudeau, which, you know, I totally understand. Um, it's the end of year, really enjoyed uh, Beaverton, um, you know, all of the comedy uh, shows like Royal Canadian Air Farce. Loved all of that stuff. Like, I gobble that up because sometimes there's the nugget of humor that just has you laughing way too hard. And I just, I love that. So, Anyway, I guess some French show. Unfortunately, I don't speak French, so uh, typical Albertan girl. Actually, there's a funny story behind that. Remind me, and I'll come back to it. 
And anyway, my, um, you know, so I watched this whole thing and it pissed off a whole bunch of folks that are um, actually from India in the area saying this is totally racist. And I watched it and they like <sighs> made fun of knocking over cows. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> this is awful. So I posted it because I'd read it. And almost, you know, shortly after Derek is like, this is so stupid. Anybody with a sense of humor would know it. You know, I know because I get German jokes all the time. And all I could think of, oh, the last Nazi. Maybe him and I could have a date and go see, uh, you know, the last Nazi together and see how fun it is to make German jokes. I'm sure he'd love that and think that's so funny. Maybe, you know, we'll see, see where his sense of humor goes because I'm sure it's so funny to make fun of uh, genocide, right? And, um, you know, ultimately, obviously, I have a lot of respect for the Indian community, but that bigger picture that colonialism happened from the British there. And a lot of them have this, like, you know, <laughs> feeling towards the queen and such that, uh, you know, I completely understand. So anyway, I'm uh, really saddened that, uh, you know, Derek is actually on record for saying uh, I got into politics and um, social social issues were not on the reasons why I got involved in politics. And I've always remembered that because obviously you know, missing and murdered Indigenous women, poverty issues, with especially within the city. Um, we have problems with crime. All of these things are related to the social issues, you know, not having an opinion on harm reduction, all of these things. There's so many issues to be talking about socially. And here's the irony that in a writing he's about to represent, we're going to lose a Christian school. And because social issues are just not on his radar, we're probably going to lose the school because Leela, love her to pieces, but she's not pushing nothing on this. In fact, the opposite. She's all like, well, you know, we don't want to upset anybody and we got to maintain relationships with everyone. And it's like, well, that's 469 kids that you're just going to let be so that you can keep a nice relationship with someone at the expense of all of these kids. And that's pathetic. You got to stand up at some point in time in your political career. There has to be something worth your time. And I would have thought 300 or 469 kids would have done it for her. Would have done it for Derek. I mean, he needs a win. He needs this. But nope, nope. We're all going to let this let this go. And God let me be wrong. Please let me be wrong. Somebody somewhere sign a deal. So just to give you a quick update on that, um, even before Christmas, both Sage Properties and Rocky View said, no, we would sign contracts. If you both are willing to sign contracts, why did we go into Christmas with no signed contract? It's January 4th, no signed contract. What is going on, folks? Love to hear you, um, you know, get that figured out. Oh, and I got a nice little package in the mail today from uh, Canada Post. They say, no, we need absolutely um, postage when it comes to school trustees, which I know they don't. So that's going to be my next fight I have to have. But whatever. Eh. By the way, for people who do not know, you're supposed to be able to write your elected officials, whether school trustees, um, MLAs and MPs for free. And it's been interesting being a part of the Prince of Peace conversation because these are generally people who know concept of politics, don't care about politics, uh, just assume they are going to vote conservative, are conservative, assume the worst of anyone who's not conservative. 
really, you know, the issues don't really matter to folks. In fact, the opposite, the little bit of knowledge that people did have about politics, they just assumed our school was being closed over the GSA issue, which was really eye-opening. But it was interesting to hear again from folks who just aren't politically active and what they don't know. And one of them was that you could send a letter to your school trustee and not have to, you know, pay for it. But I don't know if everyone at Canada Post knows that. So we're going to have to have that conversation. Anyway, um, wanted to talk about a few different things that kind of came at me. So um, for those who do not know, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. And my Patreon account is Native Calgarian. But uh, I post a lot of stuff, especially on my Facebook account. And for those who may not know, there's a really great um, art Um, exhibit that's happening at the Red Deer Museum and Gallery. And I had a friend of mine post a really great little uh, poem uh, about Marilyn DeMont and and being, you know, a breed woman. And I I just really hope that people start to, you know, put some effort into learning more about Métis, half-breed, all of those things. Um, Sad little bit of note, there was a rhino that is now completely extinct and I'm just, you know, it's funny because there's always a bigger picture and the the bigger picture is of the the state of the earth and the idea that colonialism is just okay with completely eradicating species of of animals like here in North America, completely eradicating the buffalo and now we're trying to bring them back and it's just kind of a sad reflection that we used to have so many that roamed, but they had to kill them all because they wanted to, you know, do land ownership all across North America. So in Africa, of course, they colonialism rocks and now they're killing everything you can possibly imagine. And that's also through energy extraction as well, which, um, yeah, I'm starting to talk a little more about pipelines and stuff for, I think that I'm going to, you know, try to sit down and just do a total episode devoted to pipelines because um, it's the conversation's ridiculous out there right now about, you know, what's there, what's not there, what, um, what government did what. It's just all lies. So I really think I just need to sit down and do a total episode devoted towards pipelines. But at the end of the day, um, humans and our energy issues are creating so many problems all across the world. Uh, climate change obviously is a an issue all across the world. And I don't understand the politicians and their lack of putting effort towards that. I was really grateful that little Greta, who has autism and selective mutism, spoke as loud as she did through a TED Talk and through uh, the UN to say, Sorry, guys, you politicians, you're on notice. It's over for you because you don't get it. You don't get where we're at. So I'm hoping that over the course of the year, like she gives me hope that maybe something amazing will happen from that. Anyway, another thing I got super excited about, you know, watching all of those end of shows because I was sick still. Um, I was on Twitter and who shows up at the Stonewall Inn but Madonna? Yes. My favorite, favorite person growing up because she was so controversial. Like I'm old and you guys might not remember what it was like growing up, but like, and I I think this whole, uh, the GOP trying to demonize um, Cortez (laughs) just showcases it. But when I was growing up, that was that era where you weren't really supposed to be dancing and being bold and being loud and obnoxious. And then comes Madonna. 
right? And she's the material girl. She's like, she's an old lady and she's still showing off her boobs, you know, really always proud of her sexuality and showcasing it and teaching us what healthy sexuality was. And, you know, for me, for being a, you know, small town kid in the middle of Alberta, this was like, what am I seeing? And nobody was happy and nobody wanted anybody dancing and Footloose came out where they were trying to, you know, go up against the establishment who was against dancing. Like you have to understand what it was like growing up and that talking about gay issues was not something we talked about unless it was to make fun of. And um, thank God we've come so far so quickly since. So today's my birthday. It's I'm 40, 42. So, you know, we're talking like 35 years ago now what it was like. And so for anyone who's younger than me may not understand what it was like to see Tom Cruise dancing in risky business like that. We didn't do that. Those were not things we were allowed to do. Um, And being indigenous, finding out later that, you know, all of our ceremonies and and, and that were all outlawed and, and that, of course, dancing. I totally see how this all comes to be. Anyway, anyway, I'm rambling. Let's move on. Um, I was really proud. One of the issues that I've had since, you know, having my daughter was learning how much racism there was in nonprofit. And um, the thing that made me the saddest 100% was that lack of understanding intersectionality is really pervasive in women's shelters. So a lot of Indigenous women have a lot of problems with shelters. I was really lucky to be mentored with um, Awatan Healing Lodge, with Josie Nipponak, and also Ruth Scalplock talking about the issues. And Ruth Scalplock, she was the founder of Awutan Healing Lodge here in Calgary. And uh, she worked at uh, Sheriff King, which was a shelter at the time. Actually, it's still existing, but she long, long time ago worked there and realized how many intersectional issues and cultural issues there were. So that's why she needed to start a Indigenous women's shelter. And, um, you know, learning from Josie Nipponak, some of the issues that have happened in Alberta, but also just nationally as well. And um, talking about violence against Indigenous women, learning from everyone nationally, including the, you know, National Women's Association of Canada. There was just so many commonalities, so many threads of basically, you know, these white run nonprofits, these women's shelters, and just no Indigenous education whatsoever. So imagine on January 1st, how happy I was to see that um, the Indigenous um, Allied Toolkit was shared by the Women's Shelters of Canada. And, you know, I'm telling you this because if you are a person who likes to think you're an ally, you know, this is a toolkit to help you with trying to be a better ally because I am, I think this might be the year I'm done using the term ally only because ally to people seems to me not doing any action. And if you want to be an ally, we really need you to be an accomplice and a co-resistor. And I'm going to, you know, read some of these, a little bit of that terminology from that toolkit that there needs to be people understanding, you know, what are you critical of your motivations? Like, why are you interested in doing this? And are you literally feeding your own ego? Are you hijacking other Indigenous voices? Because I can tell you point blank, I see lots of people sharing an idea on Twitter that I just shared, but will never share my tweet. Um, Hear me on the podcast. 
suddenly share that information, but not acknowledge where that came from. So, you know, I want to obviously add to the many Indigenous voices that are doing incredible work across the country and have done incredible work across the country. I'm a part of that too. And I try to acknowledge when it does come from somebody else. But I am utterly and completely shocked how many people just don't do that when it comes to here. Um, so I, I am quite sad to see people not understand that this is like something they always have to be doing self-reflection on and uh, working at, you know, understanding Indigenous people. Um, I see we're having a major provincial and federal elections coming up, and I literally see people learn doing absolutely nothing for Indigenous people when it comes to education. In fact, the worst thing I've seen was uh, one of the leaders of the UCP, uh, Jason Kenney, who used to be a part of Harper's Cabinet, you know, talking about just selling off the land as if he has any, you know, concept of what treaty land is and what his um, idea of reconciliation is. You never hear those words ever, you know. Um, but I really like this toolkit. Back to the toolkit. It says things that are never okay for you to say. Indian, savage, half-braid, redskins, Eskimo, squaw, you know, say the I word, say the S word, say the H word, say the E word. Do not say the words. I get to say those words because I am all those things. But you don't unless you're native. And for me, you know, I live under the Indian Act that was imposed to me from the Canadian government. I get to say the word Indian. You know who else gets to say the word Indian? Actual people from India. They get to see the, say the word Indian, but they don't get to say it in the context of me as a savage or First Nation or however they want to put that together. Um, Anyway, really great resource for a lot of folk. Really like for you to say, you know, they have things not to say like our indigenous people, the indigenous culture. Um, you must be an alcoholic. Why don't you just get over it? Can you and your people forgive my people for what we did? You people were conquered. You know, fun stuff like that. That really sucks. And then they have their dues. And I just really encourage you to have a look at it. It was shared for a reason. It's really the very least you can do. It's eight pages. So please, ally equals action. That's going to be my new mantra. So for those of you who are following a little bit about the Olympics, you'll have uh, probably heard my podcast on uh, Riley Many Bears, who's training in Calgary. Thank goodness StrathmoreNow.com gave him a little shout out. So we shared that. IndianSports.com also shared it. I'm definitely thinking about you in Kenya. Been, um, you know, trying to like and retweet as many of your posts as possible. Another thing I'm super excited about that I don't know who's organizing this and where it came out of, but there's going to be an Indigenous Peoples March to Washington on January 18th. So that is getting shared. That's getting put out there. If you're interested, nativenewsonline.net was the source I got it from. But of course, I also share these things on Twitter and on my Facebook page. So please look into it if you're if you're wondering about that. Um, you know, I, um, the thing that makes me laugh a lot about New Year's, well, January 4th is my birthday, so I can't ever start a New Year's resolution because I think it's ridiculous to say, oh, I'm totally going to get off the carbs knowing that my birthday is four days from now. 
So, you know, and, and I don't believe in it either. I mean, ultimately, if you feel that you have to improve an aspect of your life, you don't need a date to give you permission to do that. You just do it. You just automatically change. You just start working on that, whatever that looks like. Uh, for me, it's like, when we finally oil our treadmill, then I'll start working out on it. It has nothing to do with some arbitrary, arbitrary made up date that we're going to redo our life. But the other thing that also comes out around January 1st are those ridiculous motivation type memes and such. And then they always come from an incredible place of privilege. Always. They never... Um, you know, uh, a criticism of remember when Oprah was all about, you know, that the idea of you are what you think. And if you just think positive thoughts, you will suddenly become, uh, you know, successful in life. It's that type of thinking. It just drives me nuts because it's like it always comes from an incredible place of privilege where people aren't being realistic about where they are on the pecking scale of capitalism, basically. And in our world, capitalism and colonialism. So I shared what I thought was a really good um, article just to remind people, um, you know, if you're marginalized, then this is why things happen the way they happen. And it's by Dom uh, Chatter J. And he posted, or they, sorry, posted this on um, August 3rd, fighting burnout, rest debt, and work as a false path of, to self-worth. And it's at restforresistance.com. And um, it talked about a person who is a workaholic and needing to give themselves permission to, you know, rest and trying to talk about, you know, how you just get really um, overtired, but how it, it's hard to get back from that. And he calls it rest debt. And um, yeah, we all agree that, you know, rest is a responsibility. It's um, a big part of who we are. But we also have to be honest about, you know, where you are when, when you're a marginalized uh, group of people. And in this case, it's more um, identified for those who are on the LGBTQ2 plus IA um, spectrum uh, and for people of color. And that's that's why I like reading from uh, Rest for Resistance, because, you know, ultimately we need to recognize that we deserve our time, our energy and our place to heal. And even in an oppressive system, how that's even a harder thing, because, you know, for example, who are the people who are working? And I'll give you, um, I went and got my nails done today. They literally only took off the 25th. That's it. And, um, you know, these are our folks who are always working hard for other people. Um, who's working at McDonald's and, and such are always the most marginalized group of people, right? So, um, and that's just been shown study after study, stat after stat, that uh, the more marginalized you are, the less money that you make and the less chances are you have of, you know, having um, a corporate position with benefits and all of those nice fun things. And yet you're expected to work harder, it seems like, than everybody else. So, yeah, that's, I just and I want to bring that up because if you're a marginalized group of people, like if you're indigenous, if you're listening, if you're LGBTQ2+, just remind yourself that success it isn't necessarily going to look the way these, you know, the secret looks like or what Oprah says it should look like. Because um, she comes from like, you know, she has a lot of money that she can focus on those things. I mean, she didn't come from a lot of money. I think everyone knows Oprah's story, so don't need to 
uh, hash through that at all. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't mean to uh, ramble either. Oh, one of my favorite things that I came across that I just feel like, ugh, and it was this, um, you know, when the ter- territory of Wyoming um, applied to join the union, Congress demanded that they stop letting women vote. And their response was, we will remain out of the union 100 years rather than come in without the women. Thus, Wyoming became one of the first states in the U.S. to allow women to vote. Oh, so great and lovely, doesn't it? But the only reason why I seen it was because uh, Decolonized Victoria shared it. And they said, I really dislike these types of memes. Like, I'm supposed to be oh so grateful that white feminists got our uh, right to vote back for us. When up here in Canada, we had so many suffragettes campaign for the sterilization of Indigenous women and advocate for lesser races not to be allowed to vote. Before colonialism, uh, Indigenous women had the right to vote. We were the leaders and made many decisions regarding welfare of our nations. And when the settlers came, they denied our rights, then claimed to give back a tiny bit of our power, and they didn't say this, but in their own system that is foreign to us. Um, It's so ridiculous how they are upheld for returning something us Native women already had by birthright. Natural, Natural law guarantees our rights, not them. And I thought that was a good reminder because I think a lot of, you know, white women like to think that they're doing Indigenous women such a good thing. And it's like, mm, you're just showing you don't understand what colonialism is. So um, another thing that I showed or shared was uh, scholarships for those who have effect- been affected by missing and murdered Indigenous women. Uh, there's a, a small scholarship out there that they're giving out for uh, folks who are enrolled. So I definitely encourage people to be a part of that. I was really happy to see that the free little pantry here in Abbeydale was getting amazing amounts of press all of a sudden. Um, I went to the opening of that. I have uh, gone to it a few times and filled it with some of the books that I've been gifted and given. And uh, it's, I think, a little gem here in our community. Anyway, it's been getting some good press, which makes me happy. I think that uh, we need to have little pantries all across in every single community. Did you know that they're the first ones? That's why it's so incredible and special here. But think about that. Uh, Another thing I came across, kids as young as eight are sharing nude pictures of themselves online, says the RCMP. Boy, that prompted a conversation in our house because, uh, like, I know. I know what's going on in people's lives, that they are doing that, no question. There are some major issues. and um, But at the end of the day, you know, other kids can help some of the other kids and say, hey, did you know it's not okay to be sharing nude pictures of yourself, even if it's consensual? So the hope is we can get that message out there to all kids. So if you're listening to this, please tell anyone in your life that's little that these things are forever. These pictures are forever. They can be used forever. And um, my heart goes out to so many of the kids. And like, this was not something I had to worry about. Um, I literally never had one of these uh, smartphones until my daughter was already born. And, um, you know, so I, I never grew up with this. I never grew up like, you know, doing a breakfast club dancing and thinking that the GOP would use it against me. And by the way, she was really well dressed in that. So just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) Anyway, so another thing that I seen on uh, Twitter, Twitter is becoming my favorite thing, I tell you. 
But uh, I love some of Warren Kinsella's tweets. He He's a punker, a little older than me um, from Calgary. And I know a lot of people don't like him because he's a liberal or was a liberal. I, I would argue that he's actually quite conservative. Um, but regardless, he posted something that if Andrew Scheer wants to become prime minister this year, he's going to have to break the bond with Justin Trudeau has with female voters. I don't see him doing that. And I just laughed my ass off when I had read that because I think anyone like you can't even make up how ridiculous Andrew Shear is. He's like that dopey kid from school that nobody wanted to play with. And yet here he is the leader of the conservative party. It's just shocking to me. But anyway, as funny as that is, what isn't funny is Andrew Shear was a part of Harper's team. So I tweeted out that and uh, Shear's team didn't have missing and murdered indigenous women, girls to spirit on their radar and is not in favor of women's reproductive health care in a time where racism and sexism still allows indigenous women to be sterilized in Canada. And that's true. That's where we're at. I, I wanted to explain that because, you know, as I think it was really Saskatchewan that came out and said, look, man, we are still having an overrepresented amount of indigenous women being sterilized against their will. Um, not being allowed to see their newborn unless they get sterilized kind of conversations, which is straight out of the racism and sexism playbook. And, um, you know, here in Alberta, we have an awful uh, history of it. I have a book uh, by Karen Stote about um, sterilization of Indigenous women across Canada. So, like, there are literally books on this subject if you're interested about that issue. And, of course, sure, he's anti-abortion and... um and it's not that I'm for abortion, but Jesus, anybody who knows the stats against Indigenous women, I'm not going to judge an Indigenous woman for trying to survive in this ridiculous world and um, doing what she felt she needs to do. But I just don't even think, um, I would love to hear more studies and such about the amount of abortions Indigenous women really have, because I know culturally that it's really looked down upon. But the irony being, of course, that we are the most marginalized group of people in Canada, most likely not to have jobs, most likely to be fired, most likely to be um, given the least wage, all of those things, right? So when you add up all of those things, I just understand because there's not really the social uh, network. I mean, the whole reason why the Abbeydale Pantry got on the news was because it was low and it was empty. We need food in there and people are using it because we need it. What can, what more can be said? Like a lot of people are struggling and, um, and that's not because, you know, Justin Trudeau and Rich Notley brought in, a, you know, blah, 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 they're not doing enough for the energy industry. That's not it at all. It has always been an incredible gap of income in Calgary when it comes to the rich and the poor. And um, even though, you know, some people may look at those pictures and go, oh, wow, is uh, Abigail ever a nice neighborhood? At the end of the day, we're in the Northeast. And, um, the price, one of the reasons why we're in this area is because it was affordable. One of the few places that were affordable. And, um, you know, a lot of people have uh, misconceptions of the Northeast under the best of circumstances. So anyway, a lot of people on lower income are in this area. And um, the Northeast in general, the Greater Forest Lawn area, which Abbeydale is a part of, we're considered the low income of Calgary. And huge income gap between the rich and the and the poor. And we're in that area. So, you know, we have a lot of financial issues in Calgary. 
be well beyond long before any conversations about pipeline and energy and low oil prices and all the rest of those things. And, um, you know, we're not honest about that here in Alberta because those who have been the richest have always been in charge of this province and not until Rachel Notley have we had some conversation about the incredible income gap and predatory, you know, loan um, businesses that operate on the backs of folks. So, um, yeah, I don't blame people for wanting an abortion or needing an abortion course needing an abortion reproductive health care should just be something as nobody's damn business so i um and i know as an indigenous woman um i wanted to have more kids in the way they treated me somebody who you know was drafting wells and pipelines somebody who owned a business um had been married for you know decades with my husband and yet they were treating me that poorly and so i can't even imagine some of the other awful things and when I started to go down the road of trying to understand how to lodge a complaint and hearing other women's, you know, stories about how they were treated at the same place, I just, we have major issues of racism and sexism within the healthcare industry. And, um, you know, sterilization is a thing. And for this, I mean, in Alberta, especially the conservatives, all they've ever cared about is cutting everything when it comes to healthcare. So I just... I'm I'm actually very nervous about where we can even go because I shared a article about the changes in the parking that they're going to do and you know they just rape you when it comes to parking a vehicle it, you can't like even for myself um you know figuring out how to take the C train would be a better alternative even when you need to be dr- driven there just because there's no way that you can afford the parking and now they're changing the system to make it so that it's even more expensive and i don't think people understand the industry around in alberta for parking when it comes to our healthcare and that's because we've always had conservatives in in uh, t- in power, so they are all about feeing everybody. We may have the lowest taxes, but they fee us everywhere. So a little bit of what it's like to actually live here in Calgary, let me tell you. On a positive note, Michelle Thrush, she was named one of the compelling Calgarians. For those who do not know, she's a award-winning actress, you know, been on the red carpet in uh, in. Uh, Hollywood. So amazing, amazing person. But anyway, I just want to give a shout out to Tim Fontaine. For those who do not know, he is a part of Walking Eagle News. He's the founder of that. And he was actually on the Beaverton, where he made fun of uh, Canada reconciling with Indigenous people. It is so priceless. Please, please, please go watch it. Um, Because it's worth it, I tell you. Uh, Prince of Peace, I just want to encourage people to do some uh, letter writing campaigns and some phone calls for the elected officials. Apparently everybody wants to have a contract, but here we are, no contract and still in school closing procedures. So it's going to take pressure in order for this to happen. And, you know, if Derek Vildebrandt's too busy making fun of, you know, the French Indio uh, Canadian culture, then obviously the school doesn't matter to him to do that work. Um, came across a really long article, really worth your time. I think for a lot of people who know me, know I document, 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 and I'm well aware of how much the RCMP, how much CSIS, how much, um, oil industry, a really great book, Saboteur, um, 
talks about all of the spying that Canada does on anyone who um, may have a voice against the energy industry. And I mean, they do this to white people too, not just um, Indigenous, but they're obviously worse when it comes to Indigenous. So anyway, I came across a really great article um, about a U.S. Um, mercenary or I guess former Marine or something. And he um, was an agent provocateur that um, was into the end well all with the activists more than anyone and he really had people believing that he was a part of their world and um you know went to the standing rock um camp was a part of all of that and he apparently was this agent provocateur and people still don't believe that that's who he is so intercept.com i shared that article worth reading if you're even slightly unsure about what I'm talking about. Honestly, if you are a Canadian and you don't know the amount of spying Indigenous people go through, um, one of the people that motivated me was Dr. Cindy Blackstock. She has been working tirelessly for kids in the child welfare system. Pam Palmater, she's uh, Dr. Pam Palmater. She's a lawyer and uh, teaches at one of the universities out east. And Mohawk woman, she was the lead person for kind of a spokesperson for I don't know more. And she talks about indigenous rights and indigenous sovereignty all the time. One of the people I really look up to. Anyway, uh, Canadian government full campaign spying on Dr. Cindy Blackstock and Dr. Pam Pam. Pam Palmeter. And, um, you know, during C51, obviously, I was the only person in the liberal speaking out about that. Um, that's not true. But I just don't know if other people want to be outed. Anyway, I was publicly out about not supporting C51 and continue to not publicly support um, unaccountable and, um, you know, no foresight when it comes to policing people. We have these problems here in Alberta when it comes to, for those who do not know, we actually have police in our schools now. So we have Calgary police in the schools here in Calgary. We have Edmonton police in Edmonton. And they literally are targeting all of the, you know, kids of color, whether you're indigenous or a person of color. So we need some serious change here when it comes to, um, you know, it's just a pipeline, a pipeline of taking kids, putting them in jail. They have um, in Edmonton, it was uh, Brashear. He is such a great Twitter guy. He talks about all of the racism that he's uncovered in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, growing up in Edmonton, he himself experienced him. He recently talked about police spying on um on kids in, in the Edmonton schools and how they literally had a program where they'd have fake cell phones to entrap the students. So they just have this pipeline of entrapping students so that they know who's going to jail and who's going to be a part of the system. It's disgusting. And um, these are things I never grew up with. You know, I didn't grow up with these smartphones. I also didn't grow up with police actually in the schools. And I'm just, I don't even know how to talk about it. Maybe some more positive news. Sesame Street, um, you know, went and did this really cute little video with refugee kids. And apparently they're going to start putting it more on Sesame Street, which makes me happy because I think the states out of all people need to see refugees as people and not whatever they think. I don't know. They're so racist. Not that we're any better here in Leduc. We had um, an incident earlier this fall 
where an indigenous mother was told, we don't want your kind around here. And they had this whole block party and everything to try to make it better. But no, we had yet another family get one of those, we don't want your kind around here letters. So that's out there now. So yeah, you know, RCMP are investigating, but you know, for anybody who knows the corruption that's happened in Canada with their policing, <laughs> that means nothing to me. Um, the uh, Thunder Bay police, I don't know if anybody caught Canada land with Ryan McMahon's um, Thunder Bay podcast, but man, you want to talk about awful corruption. Ugh, gross. So another thing that happened to me, I, would, I actually had a really bad day the other day. Um, I had to go to work and I had to explain um, some racism that happened at one of our previous meetings. And um, it, it was awful to try to explain what happened. It was resurfacing something that I, you know, was trying to suppress over Christmas holidays and that. So that was awful. And then I went to chapters and the lady there was so rude. That was awful. And, and I'll tell you, one of the reasons why that I'm experiencing more racism is because you know, I've kind of committed myself that I would start wearing my cookum sweat um, scarf more. So I usually just wear it around my neck as a hanky because I'm sick, one. But two, I just think it looks nice. So I've been wearing it around my neck. So when, you know, I'm wearing my, you know, blingy earrings and I'm, you know, wearing jeans and I'm wearing my cookum scarf, I'm being targeted different in the stores for sure. And that was part of the reason why I never wore any of the my Indigenous pride before because I didn't want that. So I'm experiencing more and more. So I had this really awful incident that happened in chapters and just not much you can do about it. I don't know. Um, anyway, and let's just say all the allies standing around sure did sweet fuck all as per usual. Oh yeah, I guess I'm adult so I can swear here and there. So, you know, if if that wasn't enough, I got followed by this person on Twitter and their their actual name was Pride Tribe. And I thought, oh, because, you know, I'm always trying to amplify Two-Spirit. Maybe it was something related, uh, like an Indigenous-only group. Nope. Had a look at their website and their board of directors and they defined what tribe meant to them. A complete appropriation of our culture, obviously. So I tried to give them some resources, which they were uh, went in one ear out the other, not interested. Racism in Calgary is so beyond. I can't even. So that happened. So I, I woke up in the middle of the night and had a panic attack. And <sighs> so I was a little pissed because I try really hard to, you know, manage my feelings throughout the day. But being sick and then, you know, just trying to have to talk about this all the time. You know, that's part of the reason why I have this podcast. It is surprisingly healing talking about what just happens in one single day in my life. And I don't know if people are learning from it, but let's hope so. So then I tried to remember, you know, never forget how far I've come, everything that I've gone through. And, you know, no matter how hard it is to get out of bed, I still do it. And I have so much strength that's been learned, developed, but I also always acknowledge my family. So um, another article that came across that I really thought was important was sexual harassment runs rampant in nonprofits and it's time for our Me Too movement. I thought this was pretty incredible because, you know, I deal with gatekeepers all the time, especially in, um, in nonprofit, which really makes me sad. That really, 
you know, I think stops a lot of good work from happening. But again, we all have egos. I'm sure I'm no different in some ways. And I just, anyway, back to the article, it really talked about how, um, you know, sexual assault happens. And I think especially here in Calgary, this isn't a Calgary-based article, but here in Calgary, let me tell you how many, you know, multinational corporate thugs have all the money, have all the ego and have no accountability whatsoever. And how many nonprofits here in Calgary, you know, they have these, you know, people at the top are men, but all of the people doing the work are the women. And they're the ones who are supposed to be trying to get that donation. Like we got denied for a whole bunch of um, um, work that we had done that we put out asking for some grant money and were denied. And like, again, it's all about who you know and who you're willing to sleep with all of that. And I hate that. I hate that. This is this is like just regular lifestyle here. It's not okay. And and the safety issues that I see, um, you know, nonprofit folk put themselves into, it just upsets me so much. I, you know, I, I have been really lucky to be training in a martial art. I know for me, not that I need permission because it's a magical June, January 1st date, but I know it's something that I'm going to start working on more and more this year to, um, you know, always be up on my self-defense and I want to start teaching my daughter how to uh, disarm firearms and such because, you know, these are critical skills and um, I think everyone needs to have them. So I'm, I'm asking folks out there, if you want to send me any anonymous um, letters that you experience in nonprofit and, um, you know, some of the issues that you're experiencing when it comes to sexual harassment, particularly, um, when it comes to nonprofit, you're welcome to, but if I guess you guys are welcome to phone or email me anything that you want to talk about. I just really commend the author who put this out there. Her name was Elizabeth LeClaire. And, um, you know, she focuses on the fundraising and development of nonprofit. But I can tell you in the short period of time that I've been in nonprofit and what I've seen, I absolutely support this Me Too movement. I'd love, I know that I see a lot of indigenous folk, you know, their contract is up, the grant is out and, and they lose their job. And that's just such a normal part of our industry. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be at all. Yet here we are. So, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there if you're interested. CBC had a really great article on what does reconciliation mean to indigenous people. Um, I thought that really showcased what people should be doing and they're not. And I really hope that uh, folks start doing some more action on their own part. That's for sure. Um, one of the reasons I shared um, a workshop on trends and that for parents was that uh, the Indian residential schools really taught a lot of homophobia and transphobia to indigenous folk. And I think um, I'm going to sh- give a shout out to Pam Rocker. She talks about affirmative um, changes within the church to be more welcoming to those on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. This is a, a Texan and she was actually the daughter of a pastor. And, um, you know, when she realized that she was gay, she didn't want to lose her relationship with God. So she talks about that in all of her, her podcast, her lectures. She's a, you know, speaker. I highly recommend her. I know I've shared her on my podcast as well, because 
I just, I get inspired by listening to her. And I think that the work that she does and um, affirming actions do really help, especially Indigenous who need to uh, decolonize their thinking when it comes to homophobia, transphobia, and realize that, you know, for me personally, I wish no Indigenous person would ever be Christian but that's not realistic. Um, I respect that a lot of people are going to be influenced by Christianity now the rest of their life. And uh, because like my own family and because of that, you know, I just don't want there to be that perpetual homophobia and transphobia from it and uh, go from there. Yeah. I kind of broke my mom's heart this um, holiday because I told her that because I'm not a Christian myself. Um, I think that our relationship with creator is way bigger than what has been put into the, you know, Christianity box anyway, um, bigger than that. So I broke her heart and said, I I don't know after my daughter moves out of the house, how many more Christmases I can possibly muster because it's just not my, it's not, to me, it's an imposed forced colonial Christian holiday and it, it's capitalist as well. It, and I think anybody who knows anything about any of this knows would agree. So if you don't, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your, uh, you know, hate mail or whatever that looks like or your disagreement. Um, but I do understand why indigenous people will always be, you know, Christian or Catholic. So <coughs> just one other thing I want to celebrate from the States is the first Muslim lawmaker can now wear a hijab because they, swore in a congresswoman who has one and my favorite quote that she put out there was no one puts a scarf on my head but me it's my choice one that's protected by the first amendment that made me happy uh i'm uh part of the liberal party for those who do not know you should probably know by now so i have my what my facebook page that's just strictly for the indigenous people's commission and uh, i just wanted to put a reminder out there no matter what political party that you are supporting you probably have to renew because it's january so you may see that on my uh native calgarian but also my facebook page um my twitter stuff like that because you know matters to me we have uh, some pretty ugly elections coming up and i i think that it's really important that you're critical of what you're being told <coughs> so no matter what party you're with sign up and we'll go from there so uh, i shared uh, some really great tweets that both pam palmater and cindy blackstock put out there to uh, the new indigenous congress people tanya talica she had a good tweet as well so if you're out there have a look at those things and yeah <laughs> I got into a little bit of an argument with somebody. I think she's following me now. I don't know if she's listening to my podcast, but, you know, I have seen this, you know, one of those condescending tweets that say, Indigenous people, they will save the earth from us for climate change. And I don't disagree with that. I think that our ways is what's, you know, obviously the best. So <laughs> I'm just being an ass. Anyway, but it is the point of privilege, and I tweeted out, it's a point of privilege to have expectations for Indigenous to save the planet, claim to be an ally, while Indigenous people still continuously face structural and colonial violence. I don't think people get that. You can't expect us to save the world when we're the first people to get thrown in jail. Like, that's that's the given. They're in our schools now. Like, people don't get that bigger picture. So, 
you know, this whole, uh, you want to be an ally, you better be doing some action. You better be, you know, if an Indigenous person has a really great policy at convention, maybe you should vote for that. But, you know, what do I know? Just put forward policies that people don't vote for. So, no, what is expected? For those who don't do those policy conventions, you have to do a mini campaign. So God forbid you have more than one policy. You're going to have to do two campaigns for one policy convention. Anyway, it's ridiculous and it's so much about networking and being bloody rich and going to the right, you know, McGill with the right group of people. It's just the most ridiculous thing ever. But yeah, I've had some good policies go through. I just have had some really great ones be denied. And, um, you know, again, what does allyship mean to people? It's such a low hanging fruit to work with people, but what do I know? Um, a lot of the police carding is starting to get called out. And the Globe and Mail put out a really good article about ending police carding once and for all. For those who do not know, police carding is when police just ask you for your ID. And it actually is recorded. I learned that through Shift Calgary, which is a really great nonprofit that works to advocate for sex workers here in Calgary. And, um, you know, I actually ran for city council in the hopes that we could stop the overrepresentation of police carding that's happening in the Northeast compared to other jurisdictions in Calgary. But again, this is based on racism and nobody wants to admit we have a racism issue, right? So I thought uh, that was a good article and I hope that uh, there's some folks working all across the country on trying to stop police carding and I hope more people get behind that. So this is an example where you can be an ally to Indigenous, but also like brown people, black people, LGBTQ2+, like being an ally isn't just for Indigenous, right? Like it's for everybody, but you have to do some work. And I know, you know, that can be an issue for some. Encourage other people. <coughs> so there's a conservative MP, of course, what does he do? He goes to a grade seven and grade eight class. Like we're finally allowed in. I know as a person who's run for for um, elected office, how hard it is to get into schools under the best of circumstances. But anyway, this guy gets in there. And what does he talk about? How carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is a good thing because this is plant food. My God, people, please read a book about climate change. Please. Ay, ay, ay. And, and pay attention to the stupid um, policies when it comes to climate change uh, against any of these guys. And uh, I'm just going to give another shout out to Cheryl Shangyon, Gray Eyes, who's running for the Green Party here in Alberta. You know, I'm hoping they're going to have a better green policy than what, you know, build that pipe looks like right now. So um, please pay attention to that right now and who is doing what on climate change. There's a book out by Dr. Kevin Taff and I should have brought it, but um, it's upstairs. Anyway, this book really talks about how globally there's policy changes that are happening all across the globe that is basically going to put, um, you know, fossil fuels like we depend upon out of office, like it's gone and people aren't going to be working with fossil fuels anymore. And because he was the liberal opposition for um, the province at the time of Ralph Klein, like he's he's documented so many issues um, when it comes to issues here in Alberta, but specifically when it comes to policy 
for energy. This is something we should all be paying attention to. So I really recommend you pick up his book, you know, rent it from the library, whatever. Just read a little bit about climate change. Don't be that guy who tells great seveners and eighters that, you know, plant food is good for the earth. My God. Cindy Blackstock, another shout out to her. She tweeted out, did you know if you are a First Nation child between uh, 2009 and 2017 and were unable to apply or were denied a federal public service or um, because of Canada's discriminatory approach to Jordan's principle, that your case now can be reviewed? Contact 1-855-JP-CHILD or one 833 PJENFAN. So she tweeted this, she put it on her Facebook. If you are in the um, child welfare system right now and you were denied any kind of services, please look into that. There might be some changes that could um, benefit you. Also uh, put out there that there's going to be a community blood drive in my area for some blood at Marlboro Park. And that's on January 25th to the 28th. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, I shared that on my ward page. I shared it on Native Calgarian. And I think it's important that everybody give blood if they can. One of my favorite things to read, First Nation woman to earn an engineering PhD at the U of A aims all of her talents at the tailings ponds. (laughs) Finally, we'll have some real science about what all of the damage is being done. Oh, and my friend Saima, she posted that um, there's a sisters project that's going out there and it's a photo series of Canadian Muslim women from coast to coast. She says it humanizes and diversifies the narratives of uh, Muslim women's daily lives. This project dispels the misrepresentation of Muslim women who are often depicted as one-dimensional, voiceless, oppressed, demure, helpless women um, who is a victim to some uh, patriarchal religion. And instead, this project will help you see Canadian Muslim women as strong, beautiful, compassionate women with unique characteristics and stories and in control of their own lives. And of course, she was featured, my friend. Um, I'm just going to keep saying she's my friend because I'm proud of her. But I'm also... um, I, I think it's really important. I know growing up with a family that was straight from Austria, who, you know, English was a second language, who spoke Austrian first around the house. Um, you know, I really have a lot of empathy for a new Canadian, a new immigrant, and what they go through here in in uh, Canada. And I mean, Austrian is pretty widely accepted, you know, as opposed to being Muslim. But then after 9-11 and all the Islamophobia, I think that Muslim women, especially like, you know, they're my sisters now where they're being oppressed um, globally, but they're also being oppressed here with these, um, you know, propaganda and lies that constantly get said about them. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And yeah, I think... There's so much to talk about. There was another um, police note that connected the premier of Saskatchewan with efforts to remove and quiet the protest camp out in uh, the Justice for Our Stolen Children, which Monkinstis was here in Calgary. So I'm just waiting for someone to do a Freedom of Information Act here in Alberta to find out, you know, what kind of spying was happening on Monkinstis. But at the end of the day, 
a lot of indigenous folks um, tried to talk about child welfare issues and specifically how our children are just stolen at birth to try to stop this genocide. This is ridiculous. This is 2019. This is happening. So, um, of course, the police, what are they going to do? They're going to spy on us. And, of course, the um, politicians... They are influencing the police and you can't deny it. There's so much evidence to prove it. So that was shared if you're interested. Uh, another thing that's being um, really quiet, quieted is um, the women being murdered by their uh, intimate part partners here in Alberta. You know, the media is purposely not telling the stories and the police are purposely not telling their stories. So the, the Alberta Council of Women's Shelters, uh, President Jan Reimer said, we should not be covering up, silencing or minimalizing the, um, minimizing, sorry, the death of women who have been killed by their partners. Their stories need to be told. Uh, yeah, I can't believe we have to have this discussion, but here we are, 2019, having to tell people this, this is ridiculous. So... With that, I think, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about more end of the year stuff, but there's only so much time in the day. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to the First Nation Inuit Hope for Wellness uh, Helpline, one eight five five two four two three three one zero. If anything I've said is too triggering for you, please call and the Distress Center if you're non-Indigenous in your area. Indigenous have been talking about issues, sharing our trauma in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor their words. Honor the treaties. Uh, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, you know, no, your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Just going to give another shout out to Derek Vildebrandt making fun of uh, Indian culture. No, a vote for the free dumb party is going directly to, um, you know, negatively impact marginalized folks. Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, our experiences, our people are experiencing racism at the educational health institutions, multiple reports that back what I'm telling you, uh, demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, and sexism, they have zero business running. If social issues are not on their radar, they have no business running. If missing and murdered Indigenous women are not on their radar, they have no business leading the province. Uh, these things should all be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, etc. I'm just going to give a shout out. I actually had an, a counselor give a shout out to some Alberta party um candidate that's running and saying oh look at all the hard work he's doing and I just laughed I'm like what hard work I have never seen this person show up to any indigenous event and knows absolutely nothing about indigenous issues so to me hard work isn't just knocking doors it is actually learning about the community beyond a smile and a handshake you know, being a proud Canadian is not a reason to run for office. If you do not have a single issue that I know matters to you, what are you doing running? Violence is my everyday reality. 
every indigenous generation has faced it. This is why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. Many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure like to tell us theirs, and usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, our rights, typical microaggressions. And then there's the Indigenous people dealing with internalized racism who become gatekeepers who survive off the status quo, or people who are really in their trauma and stop other people from doing the work. Um... Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. This is why I started the podcast for that boundary so that I could be heard. And here we are. My hope, my, my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they understand down the road. I want to put um, cultural safety into action. I want people to do the action part of creating a safer space for marginalized people, whether Indigenous, people of color, people with a disability, LGBTQ2+, um, do something. Having good intentions is not enough. You have to take action to make change. So I'm just going to give a shout out to the person who said that they seen um, someone being followed and targeted at co-op and they complained to the manager. That's action. That's what allies do. Be like Megan. That's who did it. Megan did it. Thank you, Megan. So you have to do something. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, take responsibility for your learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people. Um, I've seen a school trustee reaching out to Christy Belcourt, and it just infuriated me because um, you know, Christy Belcourt, she's so busy. She has barely enough time to mentor the artists that are trying to learn under her. And yet here, this school trustee is taking all the space. Like, I don't get time with Christy Belcourt, Jesus. So, you know, it, it's just, it's incredible to me how selfish and self-centered folks can be about this. Uh, really learn for yourself. We have elders here. Could you imagine if the $20 that you could buy an elder some lunch and some coffee and talk to them. How cool would that be? Take time for self-reflection. Uh, be aware of your biases and your assumptions. Question everything that you've learned about Indigenous people. Take steps to act actively disrupt the stereotypes. Um, give you a quick example, and I had to bring it up at work, was at a community association, and one the person who manages it, when I was doing a smudge outside with a another Indigenous liaison, you know, made a joke about us, you know, oh, marijuana is now legal. You know, how insulting, how insulting to us that we had to be outside to even smudge, let alone the assumption that we are obviously doing something called, you know, something like marijuana or whatever, instead of just having a smudge. So I tried to use it as a teaching opportunity. But at the end of the day, this is somebody's biases and assumptions. And he just gave me the, uh, you know, wave and laugh and walk away which was like, it's, it's so demeaning. Uh, question everything you've learned and act, take steps to actively disrupt the stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of ra racism is ongoing and a difficult task. I'm not kidding. Every single day, I'm like, man, I got to decolonize that. I got to decolonize this. Christmas is overwhelming. Anyway, I want to give a shout out to heretohelp.bc.ca for what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. 
Um, I talk about internalized racism or lateral violence, and that's a form of violence Indigenous marginalized people uh, people face by structural racism imposed on these lands, like through the Indian Act and Indian residential schools and other, you know, clearing the land policies. Uh, RacialEquityTools.org has a good What is Internalized Racism PDF. Um, Bystander intervention, I can't stress that enough to make yourself known. Um, you know, make eye contact with the person being harassed, help that person, take cues from them, uh, be a barrier between somebody harassing them and being the attacker. Um, ask them if they want to move to another train car, if you want them to leave them alone. Um, amplify if they're resisting in their own way. If they're yelling, don't tone police them. That's such a simple thing. Uh, follow up with the person being harassed. Give them your card. You know, they may be feeling embarrassed, but later on feel empowered to do something. So, you know, do whatever you can to keep yourself safe. Maybe pulling in more people. Um, I see a lot of like a fellow from New York recording instances and he has a huge following. So a lot of people um, amplified his voice. Don't call the police unless people ask you to, because for many communities, whether Arab, Muslim, black, queer, indigenous, trans, immigrant, a lot of um, police interference can actually be a greater danger for the person being harassed. Don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence. Don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support. So I'm going to throw this out there. You're all out there on Twitter or Facebook and you see racism and you say absolutely sweet fuck all because that's the way you've been conditioned your whole life. What does this communicate? It communicates approval. So if you're finding yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, maybe you should private message that person who's being harassed and say, hey, I see that. I took a screenshot. Better yet, why don't you guys report that too? You know, we have links to everything now. It's so easy to link everything. I don't really understand why I see people who are online and Facebook and are, are sweet okay with some of the racism that people get targeted with. Um, Chelsea Vowell put out a book about Indigenous people. It's like a one-on-one. And Christy Belcourt were retweeting each other. And somebody said something super racist to them. And guess what? Nobody said anything. Nobody reported it. How hard is it if you're on Twitter to report racism? How hard is that? Just do it. So silence is dangerous. I'm going to throw that out there again. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what proud culture is through her Austrian roots, and stepping up to teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian. It's through you, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey on the red road. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism to our child who we are blessed to learn from every day. I'm honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and a stronger person. My patron account is Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Jody, Judy, Kenna, Matt, Nancy, 
Nathan, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. Please share with your friends and tell me what you learned. Thank you so much for listening.